and welcome to Car Keegs. I'm Lizzie Keegan. And I'm Karen Cadavaugh. For now. Uh, <laughs> and this is your Commute TV Talk podcast. Hooray! We're back, Karen. <laughs> I'm so happy. I also feel so ridiculous because I didn't tell my roommates I was recording and they can probably definitely hear me. So I feel like I'm just, all that you're hearing is one half of this podcast being recorded right now. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I love that. Hopefully they don't interrupt, but you know what? If they do, we can edit that out. Right. Um, Kathleen can edit that out. Ah, our, shout our out producer. to producer. Yes, our producer, my sister, Caffeine, bridesmaid slash maid of honor for the official Catabot Tate wedding. The and official Catabot Tate wedding. <laughs> In um, case you get confused with the unofficial Catabot right, Tate right. wedding. Yes. Also, I think we said this on the podcast before, but her name is Kathleen, but you call her Caffeine. Like the drug. People probably were like, did I hear that correctly? Every time. That's what people say. It always, it makes me laugh that they always think it's their problem. Their problem it's that they hear wrong. Sounds <laughs> like maybe like a speech impediment type thing. <laughs> and it's so nice that they take it upon themselves. If it's my speech impediment that they're not like, ha ha, your speech impediment. Oh yeah. So they're kind people because they don't mock <laughs> you for having a speech impediment. Do we need a higher bar than that? Anyway, we're very, very thankful for Kathleen yes. slash Caffeine mm-hmm. doing our editing and producing Car Geeks. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you. Also, man, COVID forcing us to record on Zoom has really changed the Car Geeks game because for the first time since our very first episode, when we recorded on a phone, in a car, on a road trip. TBT. The good old days. <laughs> this is the first time we've ever recorded just one episode in a sitting. Mm-hmm. We, we normally marathon and record a bunch of episodes at the same time. So this is kind of fun. Yeah. We just get to give all of our energy to the one episode. <sighs> oh, um, so much energy on this Tuesday <laughs> night at 9 p.m. <laughs> yes, the highest energy time. Also, Karen and I were talking earlier that it does feel a little bit kind of symbolic because when Karen lived in the same place as me and we work together Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. after our work event is when we would always hang out. I know. And get our Wendy's 4 for 4. I had Wendy's 4 for 4 for dinner. No, you did not. I did. <gasps> it's oh a gosh. sign. It was it was not on purpose. Ugh, if only it had been. That would have been better branding. But yeah, I actually did have <laughs> the Wendy's 4 for 4. They have the spicy crispy chicken sandwich now as an option. Highly recommend. How is that spicy chicken sandwich? It is so good. It's you know, this one wasn't as spicy. It's the exact same as the crispy chicken sandwich, just like with the spicy patty. It's pretty darn good. And I mean, you can't beat the four for four as I mean, a really economic choice. Oh, let's not talk about economics again. We <laughs> said too far. I went that other time <laughs> when I was trying to talk about markets or something. <sighs> now, real question. Mm-hmm. Oh. Let's talk about chicken. Fast food chicken here for a second. Ooh. Have you had the Popeye's chicken sandwich? <gasps> I did. Were we talking about this? No, we've never talked about it, but it was unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Devin and I, my fiance of the official Tate Catabal wedding. Of the official wedding. Yes. In case anyone forgot. um, (laughs) (laughs) We went and tried it because we've been dying to try it. And there've been multiple times where we've gone to a Popeye's and they said, we're out of the sandwich. That's what it's called on their posters. I know. I kind of love that. And so we finally got it on a Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. Um, and needless to say, it was not fresh. So it was a little not hot, but it was still great. Like it wasn't cold, but it definitely wasn't fresh out of the grill or the fryer. Whatever. Ugh. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was really good, but we, 
we felt like the chicken was crispier than Chick-fil-A's sandwiches, yes, which is yes. great. But the mayonnaise was not the best like condiment. We felt we thought it was going to be like the Popeye's orange sauce, which I don't know if they have orange sauce. I've only been to Popeye's a handful of times. So we thought if it was a different sauce, it'd be like, like number one, like best sandwich ever. I actually love that it's just mayonnaise. Really? Um, I just think the Popeye sandwich is so good. I think the bun is better than the Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I think the, the patty is huh. better. I just love it. Like, it's been... I have not really wanted a Chick-fil-A sandwich since I've had Whoa. the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I mean, I still want those Chick-fil-A fries. You know what I'm saying? I do. But <laughs> I, oh, I do. don't really want the Chick-fil-A sandwich anymore. Crazy. Because Popeye's... I, man. I did not think it was better than Chick-fil-A's, but I did feel like it was on par with Chick-fil-A's more than like chicken sandwiches typically are yeah but the mayonnaise like i was that really got you that really got you i mean it just it it made it taste normal because chick-fil-a sandwiches don't have mayonnaise you know they don't have anything yeah Yeah, right and also they don't have pickles they do have pickles they do you had a bad popeye's experience you need to go to a different popeye's (laughs) man no wonder that one i didn't run out they're terrible up there apparently that's supposed to have pickles on it Oh my gosh, we need to mm-hmm. demand our money back. We probably won't. I feel like I'm not allowed to talk to any manager ever because my name is Karen. Like I'm just that not allowed so to say true. anything. Ugh. You like, kind of can't ask for the manager. I know, which I you never, really I've never done. Like, it, no, you're really not that. Type. I would never do that. But like the other day, I went to Target because I was, I thought I had been cheated out of a gift card that I was supposed to get. You know, like when you buy a hundred dollars or something to get a three dollar gift uh-huh. card. Yeah, I thought that had happened to me, but it turns out I just had not spent enough but they told me I had anyways. I was like, I can't do this. Devin has to go do this for me because my name is Karen and the universe won't let me get away with this. That is amazing. Long story long. I did not get the gift card because I didn't spend enough money. (laughs) Long story long. Oh my gosh. I love you. (laughs) Well, Karen, Mm -hmm. shall we talk about our show? Yes, we shall. For the night. Now, Tonight we are talking, I don't know why tonight, people are listening to this at all different times of the day. Hopefully the morning on their commute. That's right. We are talking about Mrs. America, mm-hmm. which is a Hulu show that came out this summer. If you listened to our season four premiere episode, you talked about it. I did? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you I'm said sorry. that you liked it and you recommended it. And yes. so that's why I watched it. Uh-huh. Right. Um, when we were talking that. about what we'd watched sort of during our very long hiatus that we did have. But yes, oh, it came out in April and May, technically, on Hulu. And dang, I just am noticing on Wikipedia that it's the kind of show that literally came out week by week. Yeah, like they released I remember that. a couple episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. America is a show on Hulu that goes through a lot of the 1970s, basically, and talks about the fight for the Equal Rights Amendment by, by the sort of liberal feminist side. And then it it very much centers on Phyllis it's a very hard name. <laughs> Phyllis Schlafly, mm-hmm. who was heading up the Stop ERA campaign, which is kind of the more conservative, traditional side of things. And it is a star-studded cast. We will talk about yeah. that in a second. But I want to know, first of all, kind of what's your experience? How'd you watch the show and stuff? And like, what would you recommend to our listeners? Like, do they listen to this episode and then go watch it? Should they pause and then watch? What are your thoughts? Okay, that's a great question. So first... This is like the dream of every marketing campaign. I saw the trailers on Hulu because I have the Hulu with ads and I saw the trailer and I was like, I got to watch this. This is going to be so cool. I've been on a kick for the last year or so where I've really been enjoying historical 
retell retellings of historical events like docu series like the cnn decade documentaries that we've never talked about or like things oh, like so that oh i love those and i remember being particularly captivated by the episode in the 70s decade series about the uh, women's liberation movement and so seeing that this was going to be a semi-fictional retelling i don't know how would you would you say that's a fair i mean it's category i would yeah i mean it's dramatized yes thank you there's like a few clips that are real but Mm -hmm. mostly it's actresses and actors but right who are stunningly similar to the characters they played oh my gosh it's amazing you gotta look up like a compare the actor to the character to the person in real life anyways so i started watching it and i recommended it to my roommates i had we it was like the very beginning of quarantine we had i had just moved in with these people and i was like here let's watch this thing together it'll be so cool and so we watched it like every week. We would have a small group on Wednesday nights, a Bible study with some of our friends. And then afterwards we would, it would be on Zoom. So then we'd like close the computer and then turn on the TV and we would watch it together every week, week by week. And it was so fun to have like a thing to look forward to on Wednesday nights after a small group to watch TV together. But yeah, it was cool because then we would get to talk about it and sit around and like get to have the anticipation of seeing it live every week. Your other question, do I recommend it? listening to this episode and then watching yes hopefully they've made it this far into the episode to hear the recommendation but yeah i mean because it's a historical show like the things that happened are not secrets yeah like Mm -hmm. there's not really it's like i've seen some people call it like a historical spoiler if you didn't learn about it or if for some reason like you just aren't aware of these events like there'll be things that we'll talk about that you'll be like i didn't know that happened but hopefully that'll only spur you on to actually watching it so i recommend if you want like a primer on the actual history, watching the CNN seventies episode, it's called battle of the sexes. Um, and you can find it on YouTube. It's like 42 minutes. And that's not, those aren't on Netflix anymore. Or maybe the seventies was never on Netflix or something. The seventies was on, I don't think it's on anymore, but yeah, it is on YouTube and I think it got taken off Netflix like within this year, I think actually. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. But your turn, how'd you watch it? What do you recommend? Well, I watched it because you mentioned oh, right. it. Uh, somebody, my, our friend Renee, my friend who lives here, was told me that she was watching it like probably two or three months ago. And then, and so I kind of in the back of my mind was like, yeah, that's probably a good show. I think I put it on my Hulu list or whatever. And then when you said in our first recording of the season, like, oh my gosh, I'm watching this or, or I watched it and it's good or we could talk about that. I just went and watched a trailer and was like, I guess kind of had the same experience you had, but it was after... You had told me where I was just like, oh, my gosh, this looks phenomenal Mm -hmm. and like such a star studded cast. And then I watched it pretty fast. I feel like I watched one or two episodes a day until I finished it a couple weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I feel the exact same way that I think someone could definitely listen to this episode of Garkeeks and then go watch the show and there would not be really significant spoilers. Mm-hmm. Also, the show is mostly real or a true telling of the 70s. Obviously, these people are. You know, what? like the little blurb at the beginning of each episode is that it's like based on true events, but obviously that one-on-one conversations and relationships are sort of fictionalized because they don't right. know every conversation these women had with each other. And then mm-hmm. also there are two or three characters who are supposed to just kind of like represent the followers of these side, each movement. They mm-hmm. weren't like, so there are a few named characters who like nobody lived with that name. Nobody, that's not actually a real person that they were, but for the most part, the leads were real. So anyway, yeah, I would say listen to this episode of car keys and then go watch the show. So 
the sh- the way this show works is it's nine episodes on Hulu, and almost every episode is a character's name, and it like kind of follows that person. So it's kind of interesting to talk about our favorite characters and our favorite episodes, though they're maybe maybe different. Very well might be different. Oh, true, but, yeah. But like the last two are not characters' names anymore. But anyway, yeah, I would just love to start by hearing your favorite character. So, is her is it whoever Sarah Paulson played? Is it Alice? Uh-huh. Alice. Okay. Yeah. I loved Alice because she was complicated. Mm. She starts off the show, and she is. Phyllis Schlafly's right-hand woman, like she is, she's actually the one who brought the ERA movement to Phyllis's attention. And in a sense, like she did kind of kick off the whole thing for Phyllis Schlafly. Uh, And she was always like ready to help and ready to participate. But the longer she goes on and the more she becomes aware of sort of the, the power dynamics of her and Phyllis's relationship, the more she starts to think like, oh, maybe this isn't actually an equal friendship. And then as the series goes on and it culminates in the big national convention. Yeah. What was that called? The national women's convention, something. national women's conference, national women's conference, kind of like the, like the Republican national convention or the democratic national convention, but for women, it was bipartisan. And so when she goes to that convention, you get to see her have this massive awakening and start to think for herself for the first time in the whole series. And I was convinced that she was going to fully move to the other side and go from the Stop Yari movement to the now uh, National Organization of Women's Movement. But, and she didn't, historical spoiler. Um, <laughs> although she, I don't think she's, she's one of those characters. Yeah. yeah. She's just a representation. But yeah. I mean, it was so exciting to see her character development go from just a meek right hand man, like, doesn't, isn't really going to say anything or speak against anything to somebody who is starting to form her own opinions and thoughts and not apologize for them and still try to have a friendship with Phyllis, but ultimately stand up for what she thinks was, is right. And not like, because she thinks it's right. Not because somebody was telling her that that's what the right thing was. She's yeah. so great. Who's uh, yours? Yeah. But Sarah Paulson was also incredible. Oh my I mean, every gosh. actor in this was just phenomenal. Yeah. I'm really excited to see how they do at the Emmys. I month. know. I think my favorite character was Phyllis. <gasps> oh boy. Which is like so typical of me yeah. to like who is supposed to be the villain. But the reason I would say that she was my favorite is because, first of all, I, I noticed probably about halfway through watching the show, I always wanted her to be on screen. Like any <laughs> scene with her. I was just so, you know, in it and like mm-hmm. loving it. I think part of that is Kate Blanchett, who just was Ugh. unreal mm-hmm. as Phyllis Schlafly. Also, I agree that Sarah Paulson playing Alice was like very, very complicated, was clearly like questioning a lot of the movement. And, you know, I love that whole kind of, you know, will she change sides feeling towards the end. But I felt like Phyllis was complicated too because oh, yeah. she kind of, she had, she was in this kind of, I don't know if loveless marriage is the right word, but complicated marriage. And, you know, she's a housewife, but she's really not like she's Mm -hmm. kind of supposed to represent housewives and represent the traditional family. But she is this strong, confident woman who's doing, you know, leading a movement. And then she decides to go to law school and it creates this tension within her home. And people kind of call her on that. Like, Mm -hmm. are you really trying to protect housewives? Cause like you're not a housewife. And one of the, dynamics that I thought was fascinating in the show as a whole was the way it talked about race, which we'll talk about that in a second. But 
like everything with Shirley Chisholm, the way Shirley Chisholm was highlighted was fascinating. But one of the unspoken subtleties of the show that I loved was Phyllis and her relationship with the women who worked for her were, who were of course mm-hmm. in the 70s black women. And it's like Phyllis has a narrative that she is a house mother. I mean, a house right. mother. That's not a word. A housewife. <laughs> is that like a sorority term? Yeah. Like a house yeah. mother? A house mom. <laughs> she... She has this idea that she's this traditional housewife and mom, but the black women that work for her are the ones doing all the work. Right. And the ones cooking all the meals and cleaning and parenting her kids. Like the one scene where like Lily, who is the black woman who works Mm -hmm. for them, knows more about her daughter than she does. It's just the scene of like, yeah, like Phyllis, you just, your whole life is sort of built on a lie. So anyway, I just thought Phyllis was phenomenal. Now I will say like Hulu set up and I don't think this is surprising like Hollywood is liberal leaning it was very interesting for me to watch like obviously as you know both of us are Christians though we would not align with necessarily your stereotypical conservative politics um Mm -hmm. on everything I'm not going to speak for you but I don't (laughs) align on conservative politics but yet I was raised in a very very intensely pro-life and anti the National Organization for Women home specifically like oh, specifically yeah. anti now. Yeah. Cause now was kind of the enemy of the pro-life movement. Like right. on the one side you have these pro-life movements that I won't even name the names of cause nobody knows them. The right to life <laughs> movement and operation rescue and all these things. I did just name them. Cool. <laughs> and then <laughs> look at you. <laughs> and then, and then on the other side you have Planned Parenthood and the mm. national organization for women. And so like when we would pick it and when we would go to marches and we would protest, like that is who we would be protesting against. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a very bizarre experience to be like, I never heard my parents talk about Phyllis Schlafly because I don't think my parents, like, my parents were not into all of what conservatism was about. They really just cared about abortion, whereas Phyllis kind of cared about a lot more than that. She was mm-hmm. very, very Republican through and through. But it was just kind of interesting. It was like, man, this is a weird show to watch because it's almost like she's supposed to be the villain. Yeah. But she's not, she's not out and out the villain. It was just mm-hmm. fascinating. So, sorry, that was a really long answer to my favorite character being Phyllis. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. I totally agree with all those things. I remember watching the show and, like, as I watch all shows now, I think about what I would talk about on Car Geeks and thinking the same thing. Like, Phyllis is so complex and interesting and I, 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 thinking about it now, I thought the same thing you did of, like, I can't wait for the next time that Phyllis is on screen and I'm so captivated when she is on screen because she played it so well and was so interesting. And I really like, I don't know what I was thinking at the outset because when I watched the first ep- first episode, I thought it was going to be all about Phyllis because the first episode did center on her. So I thought it was going to be a Phyllis driven show. And when she was the main character, like I was rooting for her at every turn because I hadn't made the connection that she was like the Phyllis Schlafly because the CNN documentary goes on and on about her and her role in the movement. But I mean, I was, there were so many moments where I was like, oh wow, like she's a woman in a mostly male space and she's so powerful and smart and great. And then I'm like, oh, right. Like she stands up for some things that I agree with and some things that I don't. And so, right. right. So yeah, she's an amazing character to watch. Amazingly played by Kate Blanchett as well. Blanchett. Blanchett. That's a weird name. Blanchett. (laughs) (laughs) Who is your least favorite character? I felt like Betty Friedan was the Mm -hmm. hardest to watch. She just was so 
I don't know what the word is. Like she was just so combative. Mean? Huh? <laughs> I said mean. mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like she was just so aggressive and unwilling to meet people halfway and like also fascinated, also complex, but I didn't feel like had a ton of redemptive qualities except for the fact that she went first. Like she had published the feminine mystique a decade earlier. And that was what launched a lot of other women to be able to speak up and share their voices and opinions. And so like for that, it's really cool. But I felt like the rest of the show or like the way that she was portrayed in the show was not very favorably. And so it just made her difficult to watch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. She was hard. She was hard to watch and it felt like, she was supposed to be mm-hmm. hard to watch in a lot of ways. Yeah. I'm curious about your least favorite. It's not like I thought you would say Phyllis, but who is your least favorite? My least favorite is probably Jill. I don't know how to say it. Ruckleshouse? Ruckleshouse? Ruckles House. Ruffles House. Something like that. Yes. Played by Elizabeth Banks, who also phenomenal. Of course. I mean, it took me like three episodes into it to un- to remember that she was Elizabeth Banks. And like, mm-hmm. I like Elizabeth Banks a lot. I know a lot of what she's in, but I was yeah. just like, you she was like just a character. Well, but also she was just so embodying Jill. I think honestly, the reason that, I mean, Jill was still really fascinating to watch. So Jill's really interesting because she was a pro ERA and like pro choice Republican. Mm-hmm. So she was like this really important person in the liberal women's movement, the liber- as you called it, the women's liberation movement, because she was like their one ticket to conservatives <laughs> to kind of help compromise yeah. on things. I think the reason she was hard for me to watch is because I'm probably like the opposite of that. Like <laughs> I'm like a pro-life Democrat, you know, like I don't, yeah. I can't, understand why you would be a pro-choice Republican, which just really (laughs) reveals my politics for you. But it's like, why? Why would you do that? Like so many levels that I disagree with. So Mm -hmm. I was just like, she was just a hard character for me to like get behind because it was like, I just think even the other characters who I may disagree with some things, whether that's Phyllis, you know, or Gloria Steinem or whatever, like like people I might disagree with, Mm -hmm. I can understand why they think the way they do. Totally. But with Jill, I was like, I don't, you are just, I don't, I don't have a category for that. So she was kind of my like, I was like, no, boo. What was your uh, favorite relationship on the show? Obviously it does not have to be romantic, but. Yeah. I have an answer if you'd like a second to think. Yeah, you go first. My favorite relationship was Gloria and Betty. They're so great. Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan's relationship, the way that it was shown. I mean, Obviously, I know those two names. Like, mm-hmm. you cannot understand feminism without Betty Friedan. Well, you can't understand white women-centric <laughs> feminism right? without understanding those two names. But I didn't know at all that they had, like, tension. And yeah. that, like, and I looked it up. And, like, it's true that, like, Betty was sort of the more traditional. Like, she was, I would say traditional. But she was. <laughs> she was. She wanted to keep the movement just about women's rights, whereas Gloria wanted it to be more about like, you know, gay rights and all these other things as well. And so there was tension between them, but you just have this, I mean, also Rose Byrne was amazing as Gloria Steinem and also looked exactly like her. And just the way they, like the conversation they have towards the end where she's like, thank you for what you did for the movement. And they have this sort of moment of understanding that like, oh yeah, like Betty feels threatened by mm-hmm. Gloria's fame and success in the movement. But like Gloria knows that she would not exist 
Yeah. Without Betty Friedan. So I just was fascinated by that dynamic. Hmm. Yeah. So interesting. I mean, so at first when you said Gloria and Betty, I thought you were going to say Gloria and Bella. Oh yeah. Another good one. Cause Bella Abzug, they, they also had a great relationship. I wouldn't say they're my favorite, although I did like the older sister maternal vibe uh-huh. that Bella had for Gloria. I felt like, I don't really know if I had any favorite relationship because truthfully, like there weren't a ton of relationships to actually watch, no. you know? Yeah. Like I just, I felt like there were, it was just ensembles and it was pro or pro ERA and it was teams basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I guess in terms of teams, I would land on the ERA team cause I feel like not all, but a lot of their political views line up with mine and a lot of the things I would want to see be true in the world. I feel like ERA stands stood, stands stood and does stand for, but yeah, can't think of a favorite relationship on the show. Yeah. Gosh, mm-hmm. another Margot Martindale as Bella. Phenomenal. Oh. Gosh, everybody was so, so good. good. Crazy. So good. It's since, like, it's not a mystery why the show got nominated for 1000 Emmys. I know. Gosh, mm-hmm. so good. So what about what I, mean, I switched up the order of these mm-hmm. these days. I'm asking least favorite plot line or story, especially because these, I mean, you do kind of have to watch all of them and in order, mm-hmm. but they sort of do exist on their own because they yeah. follow a person more centrally. So do you remember which episode you like the least? I don't know which episode. I can think of a storyline or yeah. a couple storylines. There are two that come to mind. One was the very, very brief storyline between Phyllis and her daughter, also Phil, but I guess I think they called her Liz. She was someone by Liza. Liza, right. Thank uh-huh. you. Yeah. Gosh, like that storyline was so heartbreaking to me, even, and this is just the magic of Kate Blanchett, that I would feel that I would sympathize with Phyllis for having this tumultuous relationship with her daughter because they disagree so strongly politically. Yeah. And like the disappointment that Phyllis must have felt with her daughter being so like embarrassed by her mother. Like, ugh, like I can't, it just, it breaks my heart because it's, you know, like parents have dreams for their kids and they would never want their kids to be embarrassed by them. They want to be proud, but you also want them to be their own people. And, oh, and so like that storyline was heartbreaking briefly. And this other least favorite storyline was, I think it was at the convention center and it was, it's the next to last episode. It's Houston when they're at the convention and it's the, I can't remember her name. It was the woman who was also Phyllis's right-hand man. She had the glasses and the red yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, I'll look at, I'll look at it. Yeah. Well, she takes over for Phyllis at the convention center because Phyllis can't go for some reason. I don't remember. Like she just didn't get nominated to be a delegate, I think. And so this other woman just takes over and really stomps on Sarah Paulson's character, Alice, over uh-huh. and over. And it's really heartbreaking to watch because Sarah Paulson is my favorite character. Alice is my favorite character. And so like, I want only good things for her, but the way that this other character, I really want to call Margot, but I don't think that's right. It's Rosemary. Oh, not right at all. So Rosemary, (laughs) like Rosemary is just so mean and rude and watching Alice crumble under the pressure to be a good spokeswoman and to make Phyllis proud and make the organization proud and just to fail over and over. And with Margot, take Margot. I did it again. Rosemary just taking that and running with it is really heartbreaking to see. Yeah. So that was sad. 
Mm-hmm. Did you have a least favorite episode? Was it more storyline like me? <clears throat> yeah, I don't think I had a least favorite episode. I, I think that it ended a little quickly for me. Yeah. So I would say probably the the end, the, like the last episode is called Reagan because it's about mm-hmm. 1980 and Reagan being elected. Historical spoiler, if you didn't know, Reagan it's... was the president. Um, <laughs> That's on you. <laughs> that is on you. But yeah, that one, I just wanted more. And it just felt like they right. wrapped up everyone way too fast. Yeah. And then the other one that I would say I wanted more of, I mean, there was a whole episode about her, but was Shirley Chisholm. Mm-hmm. Shirley Chisholm, the episode was phenomenal just about her being a presidential candidate. And it was really cool to think that, like, Kamala Harris, when she announced her presidency last year, her run for president, like, intentionally had a logo that was, like, honoring Shirley Chisholm oh, as, like, the first that. black woman to run for president. But it just felt like Shirley didn't come back very often after that, which maybe mm-hmm. is true. Maybe she wasn't as involved in all this after that. But... I just wanted more of Shirley Chisholm. So that's kind of weird that my answers to least favorite are like <laughs> ones that I wanted more of, just that I felt like were yeah. too like quickly moved past. So Yeah, I also agree. The show ended so abruptly. Like we, you know, it had like the where are they now facts yeah. at the end of the episode, which or at the end of the series, which I always love. And like my roommates and I were just like, huh? Like, <laughs> did y'all know it was ending? It's <laughs> like, over? Did, did yeah. Cause and I mean, I guess I don't know what I pictured it being in terms of a series or in terms of like a second season, but I did not expect it to be only nine episodes and only because Netflix has trained me to think of that 10 episodes as normal. Yep. Right. So it being nine was very off-putting. Yep. What about your favorite? Did you have a favorite storyline or plotline or episode? I did really like the Shirley episode. I felt like I was able to appreciate it in a way that I don't think I could have even appreciated like three years ago, just Mm. with my interest in politics really exploding as I've been in my 20s. It's just meant a lot more to me to pay attention politically. And so I feel like watching the episode where there's a convention and there's nominating and there's candidates and the politics of like who gets to win and who's going to support who, like it's just Mm -hmm. all so much more fascinating to me. So I loved the episodes whenever there was any sort of political overtones, which I mean is like the whole series, but like when they're in DC debating different things. So good. So yeah, that was a good episode. I really liked the convention because it was the convention was the next last one. It was so interesting to watch these characters finally interact in person in real life. Mm -hmm. It felt like for so long, it was just like them versus us. And there wasn't any conceptualization for either side of the other side. And so it was cool to see them finally come together in person and just all the, the conversation that raised like for Alice and considering what the other side might actually think and feel and, yeah, I mean, it was wild. What about you? Um, my favorite episode, which, like, we haven't even, like, mentioned this at all. But so each episode usually was just named after one person. But episode five is called Phyllis and Fred and Brenda and Mark. And it follows this woman named Brenda Fagan, who was a lawyer for now, and mm-hmm. Phyllis Schlafly and her husband. So Brenda and her husband debate Phyllis and Fred Schlafly. And... It was just fascinating. Also, Adam Brody plays <laughs> Brenda's husband, which was just like, what? So Dave Rogalski? Is that you? <laughs> but I just thought that episode was fascinating. It play it, it like digs into Brenda's sexuality in some really mm-hmm. interesting ways. Gosh. Is just, that in that episode? Like that is in that episode where she like she like cheats wow. on him with a woman. And he's, like, so quickly forgiving of her because he's like, oh, you're just experimenting. And then it's like, oh, wait, is she falling in love with this woman? Like, it just was really interesting and kind of crazy. 
And then they debate the Schlafly's, and that was just really fascinating. I just loved that episode. Oh, just yeah. loved it. I almost mentioned that too. I forgot about the sexuality plotline also being in that episode. Whoa. Yes. Yeah. Great episode. I, and that's another, oh, I'm not, I'm going to stop talking about Kate Blanchett. I promise. But she <laughs> played that so well. Cause I remember feeling sad that she didn't do well at the debate. <sighs> <laughs> she was so complicated and yet made you root for her. I know. I can't believe it. It was Interesting because, like, watching this show, I, as I said earlier, I felt some tension because I don't feel like I align very easily with either side politically as, like, someone who's a fairly traditional Christian, has fairly traditional Christian values, but also mm. is fairly liberal in right. my politics. But it was pretty disappointing to me to read what Phyllis Schlafly was doing in the end of her life. She died in a, a couple years ago, but she wrote a book basically, like, defending trump as a christian wasn't it like the case for trump it's called the case for trump yeah which also feels weird because of those christian books called like the case for christ right it just feels (gasps) weird and then i was reading i was like looking i was reading like chapter synopsis synopses of Mm -hmm. her book about trump and it was like his christian faith and i was like okay i was like i can't i can't i can't so Mm -mm. that was disappointing to me to be like dang i think that just like the power of the republican party became more important to her than anything else. Um, yeah. Which was disappointing. I remember, I remember seeing that fact at the end of the series and like just being quiet for a few minutes of like, man, like that, I like that was the most hard hitting fact for me because like I can disagree with her politically and personally and professionally like all day long, but I felt like that was the most hurtful thing that I saw on screen about her because it just led us to where we are now, which is right. devastating and awful. And it just, it makes me so sad. And it's like, yeah, I, I have a category for political differences and people being in lots of different places politically and like, Mm -hmm. that's fine. But yeah, it just felt like, you know, I don't know if you're going to support someone, be honest about who they are. And it was disappointing to me that she landed in such a blindly supporting every Republican candidate way, you know? Ugh, it just feels delusional. Yes. Like, I can't justify the belief in my head that Trump would be considered a Christian. Like, I... I yeah. I, I, yeah. The man who said he's never had to repent for anything. Mm, well, that's true. Some of us are just perfect. Yeah. That's what Christianity teaches for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... First of all, I think we've made it abundantly clear that we would both like Kate Blanchett to win the Emmy for Best Actress. Mm. Phenomenal. She, she earned it. But I do want I want to hear like your formal recommendation to the listeners. Like, should mm. they go watch it? Should everybody watch it? Would everybody love it? Yeah. You know, I don't know if everybody would love it. But <laughs> I think, first of all, if the theme song, which you heard at the beginning of the episode, does not immediately oh, hook you, then so that's it. Such a good theme song. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. I found it on Spotify and I occasionally listened to it just like when I was working out or when like whenever, like it's just that good. But yeah, I think I, I recommend it so hard. Part of it (laughs) is like, it's just so darn relevant, which Uh is, you know, equal parts disappointing and exciting Uh because it is relatable, but relatable. I think that it is really cool to see just like good historical storytelling because I feel like you could watch a documentary it's like oh that's interesting but I feel like this just really gets into the personal level feelings of these women that were involved and to see them go through their process of what they believed in and what they chose to say out loud and what they chose to talk about in private like it's just 
it's just so cool to see these complex characters instead of these two dimensional Republican red versus blue Democrats, you know, like it's just, it's such good storytelling and it's historically accurate, which is a win-win. Yeah. What about you? Oh yeah. I very highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. I've, I don't think of this often, but I've thought about going back and rewatching it. Um, wow. just cause I watched it quickly and like loved it. I did sort of have this moment of like, I, like you said, like, I'm not sure everybody would find it fascinating. Maybe if you don't like politics or you don't like historical dramatized stuff, I will say that I really encourage men to watch it. Like, don't mm. let the fact that it's all women leads and it's about feminism turn you away. Like, I think it's a great watch for everyone. And I mean, I did have this moment of like, man, I, you know, some people listening will know <laughs> this, but like, I really wish my dad was alive. My dad passed mm. away nine years ago now, but gosh, he would have loved this show and we would have debated it and it would have been so fun. And wow. gosh, it just reminded me of like, yeah, I've always loved this kind of stuff because he mm-hmm. got me into politics at a very young age, but it's a phenomenal yeah. show. And honestly, part of why I really wanted us to do an episode about it after I watched it is because I feel like it's gotten like very, I mean, it's obviously gotten Emmy claim, but I feel like it's gotten very little, like I haven't heard like people talking about it a lot and I haven't heard like social media buzzing about it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. People watch this show. It's so good. You know, it's like it's it no was Tiger just a, King. You know, I well, <laughs> no comment. Yeah, I was about to say you have nothing to say. I have nothing to say about Tiger King. I it does it does feel like a casualty of the pandemic. You know, mm. if it was the only thing going on, it would have it, it would have absolutely exploded. But yeah. it was just unfortunate timing. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, also, ooh, casualty of the pandemic. Sorry. I'm sorry. I like almost left right when you said it. And then I was like, that will make it even worse. Uh, Can you tell I have been personally affected? Yikes. Sorry, you guys. (laughs) Sorry. I just had to draw attention to it. Well, we highly recommend Mrs. America and we really highly recommend Kate Blanchett. She's amazing. Yeah. Check it out. It's on Hulu. It's worth the watch. Nine episodes. We give it a big thumbs up. Over here Two at Parkeeks. Four Two thumbs. thumbs up. Four, oh, yes, four thumbs. Maybe we should start doing <laughs> a rating system based on our four thumbs. How fun. <laughs> it's just going to be four <laughs> thumbs every time, probably. <laughs> Maybe. But yes, we highly recommend it. We will talk to you guys next time, but don't forget to follow us and contact us. Karen, how can they follow us? Y'all can find us on Instagram at Car Geeks. Check out the solid content that Lizzie is posting. It's very fun to be a follower and a fan and hey. also to it, for it to be about me at the same time. It's very fun to be a part of that. Uh, and you can also reach out to us on email, via email. You can reach out to us at carkeegspodcast at gmail.com, K-A-R-K-E-E-G-S podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, and compliments. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.